We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. John 17.18 All right, thanks, Stephen. Good to be with you all this morning. We have a whole lot of people sick. Um, so let's be praying for all those folks. Um, I'm really happy, though, that you're here today. I am going to need a clicker. There we go. Um, as I said in the email, little email primer I sent out a couple days ago, I want to do this a little more interactively. And then uh, next week, we'll, we'll do a kind of theme launch thing. I usually do it twice because a lot of people are gone this time of year. And this year, a lot of people are out uh, sick. So um, today's is going to be interactive. More, think of it more like you know a Bible class format. So I have some open questions. I tried to kind of prime the pump with that email to you. So be ready to share any thoughts you have about that. But first of all, Happy New Year. It's, it's, I've enjoyed you know, our time together in the past year and look forward to a new uh, productive year in the Lord's service with y'all in 2022. Um, the point of these annual themes is to focus our vision as a church, um, you know, get our minds and our imaginations flowing in the right way and together. Um, and to focus our teaching, our, some of our activities, and just our emphasis as a church for the coming year. I mean, you could, you, you could say, why do a theme? The whole Bible's important. Yeah, it is. But, um, you know, there's, why does Paul have a certain point in Galatians? You know, he didn't talk about everything. Um, you know, Song of Solomon is about one thing, not everything. The Bible, the Bible even focuses on certain things. So we're trying to, that doesn't mean we're excluding the rest of the Bible, just trying to get a focus for the year. For the last few years, our annual themes have grown out of our church mission statement. This is going to be a hopelessly small font, but this is just taken straight from our website. This is on our website currently, and you've seen this before because I've presented it in here uh, at the beginning of each year. And our mission statement, which comes out of 1 John 4.19, it basically is an expansion of some of the logic and the phrases in 1 John 4.19 which I think captures the whole biblical uh, purpose because it's driven by God's love and, it, and it's the implications of that love. It says this, Inspired by God's love for us in Christ, we seek to be defined by cross-shaped love. In worship to God, in fellowship within the church family, and in outreach to our neighbors. All right, so that's kind of functioning, at least for the time being, the last few years as a, a kind of church mission statement to focus you know, who we are and what we're doing uh, on God's behalf and by, through God's power and God's inspiration, um, not only uh, for ourselves, but for um, the community around us. All right. In fact, the first year that we adopted this mission statement back in 2019, we just lifted the actual words of 1 John 4:19 out and made that our theme. I don't know if you remember that, but we just, our theme was, we love God because he, or we love rather, because he first loved us. That was on our banners and everything. And so we just sort of took that verse and expanded it throughout the year in our preaching and teaching and community groups, different aspects and implications of that. If you meditate on it, you start thinking of all these ramifications. We love because he first loved us. And you start thinking about how did he love us and how should we love and those kinds of questions. And, and, and this verse says that everything begins with God. Everything begins with God, with, specifically with His love, divine love toward us. And then we respond to His love with our own love. But the verse also suggests that God's love is a kind of model, a, a benchmark, 
I've got a ruler up here. I, the only way I can think, I tried to come up with them. I, I, I image searched mold, and you got like black mold and stuff. I, you know, I was trying to think of mold you pour something into. Like, here's God, and we're trying to imitate him. So I just I use a ruler as a kind of standard, an idea of a standard or a touchstone. Um, how, do, how do we know if we are loving like we should love? The greatest command is what? Love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And a second like unto it is love your neighbor as yourself. How do we know when we're loving correctly? If, if what we're imagining when we hear the, the, the four-letter word love is what God means, well, it's His love for us is the standard. That's the rule by which we measure whether or not we're doing a good job, whether or not our love is reflective of His. You know, We love because He first loved us. So I want to start with some questions this morning. And Randy has a mic. And so just if you have a response, some of this grows out of, uh, they're not verbatim necessarily, but a lot of it hopefully implied by the email primer I sent out. How is the way humans love often different from the way God loves? And then how could we follow up? How could we improve in this regard? Any ideas on why and how our love isn't always exactly like God's love? Greg, there you go, Randy. Well, I think the answer is right in the text. We love because God loved us. That's, that's human. We usually like other people when they like us first. Okay. God loved us first when we were unlovable. Okay. So would that imply then if we feel like we aren't being loved back by certain people, we find it a little more difficult to love them. Right? Is that different from the way God loved us? What do you all think? Unconditionally, Larry says. God loves us unconditionally. Any other thoughts on this? How is human love, the way we typically love, different from the way God loves? And ideas on how we can improve. Uh, yeah, back here, Don. Mm. Well, I think sometimes our love can be a little self-motivated, mm -hmm. um, selfish, you know, it's uh, what can I get out of the relationship what, instead of what I can give to the relationship. Mm -hmm. I think we have a tendency to sometimes view love as a transactional, um, you know, thing that we do to yeah. each other. Yeah. And so that's very different than how God, yeah. uh, God loves us. 100%. I mean... What does John 3.16 say God did to show His love? He gave. He so loved the world that He gave. And what He gave was something of, you know, inestimable value to Him. you imagine giving up your own son for other people? Or your own daughter for other people? I think a lot of us would maybe claim we would do that. I, I'm not even going to play around. No way. No way. <laughs> I, I love everybody, but, you know, there's my kids. Right? But God's way different than we are. Um, uh, you remember that old story about the, the, the uh, suspension bridge operator and his son gets caught up in the gears? Y'all ever hear that illustration growing up? Anybody? Raise your hand. Every time I heard that, I'd be like, nah. Sorry, ship. I mean, that's how selfish I am about you know, my love for my own kids. And, and God, I think if it's transactional, as Don was saying, that's not even love. We call it love. But it's love in the way that you love, you know, sunny skies. You give them 350 and they give you a, you know, a double on a, a waffle cone. 
You love it, but it's a transaction, right? God's love gives. He doesn't need us. Other ideas? Any other? Somebody, I think there was one more hand up, maybe. Yeah. Unchangeable. Very good. Miss Alice says that God's love is unchangeable. You think about our love being off and on, right? It's, it changes like the weather. Um, for sometimes, you know, no reason we can, set, you know, we can see. Um, so we're supposed to love our kids in a kind of, you know, unchanging way. But the truth is sometimes you're more frustrated from work or you're tired or you're stressed out. Kid does it's the same thing he did 400 times, and today <laughs> the response is different. Anybody ever been guilty of that as a parent? You know, what did I do? Really, it's what I did or what I went through. Um, God isn't like that. It's just this unchanging, immutable, constant love. The word chesed in the Old Testament translated mercy, love, loving kindness, faithful love, various English versions translated. One of the most common descriptors of God in the Old Testament. It's hundreds of times it occurs. And the best translation is something like constancy. It is unfailing love. It's, it's his covenant love. It's, it's unconditional, as Larry said. So we're going to talk about uh, really everything we're doing, as Daniel said, connecting it back to you know, the love that we have for God and our longing for God and, and to, to appreciate his love for us and, and respond in kind is where everything we do as a church should come from. That's the motor or the engine or the, the spring, the fountainhead from which all of the things every year we should be talking about and doing come from. Okay, I want to talk now about the objects of our love because in 1 John 4, 19, it specifies the, objects, the object of God's love. He first loved what? Us. We're, the, we're told in the text what the object of His love is. But when it comes to what we're to love, we love... What? There's no, it's not filled in. And it, we, God, we know the object. We love because he first loved us. Well, we love what? He could have said we love God. He could have said we, he didn't fill in the blank. And so I think we're invited to fill in the blanks uh, and to be so fine, defined by love that we just, we love all. That's what we are. God is love, as First John says elsewhere, and we're to be loved. So we respond to God's love. And as we do, Let's think about the objects of our love, what we're to love. And so over the past couple of years, our annual themes have tried to capture or focus on some of the key objects of our love as we respond to God's love. So for instance, if we filled in the blank with God, we love God. I think that's a logical thing to do, right? Biblically, right? Obviously, duh. First, the great commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. We love God because He first loved us. That's kind of square one. And uh, our 2020 theme was all about worship. Worship is just another way of saying being absolutely, you know, adoring or devoted to God, being in love, smitten in your heart with God. This organic, you can't help but respond to Him in adoration. Um, we're inspired by His love, and so we worship Him. In worship to, or inspired for God, uh, by God's love for us, we seek to uh, be defined by cross-shaped love in worship to God. So we talked about that, all these different aspects of worship and what that was in 2020 because it's implied that we're to love God as He loved us. What's another object of our, our, our love? We love what else? One, on, one another, exactly right. We love one another. We can put that in the blank because He first loved us. And so 
uh, over the past year in 2021, our uh, theme was fellowship. Fellowship's another way of saying we're really connected. We are jointly participating with and in each other's life by virtue of the connection we have to God, the common connection through Christ. We, we have this, this oneness, this unity. Um, without love, um, that won't happen. Um, Colossians talks about that. In Colossians 3, I think it is, 2 or 3, where he says, there isn't Jew or Greek, bond or free, you know, barbarian, Scythian, all these different identities. We could throw in there Republican, Democrat, um, English-speaking, non-English-speaking, a million other things, if we're honest. There isn't any of that. There, you're all one in Christ. And he says then, and a few verses later, put on you know, forgiving hearts because God in Christ forgave you. Above all, put on love. So unity hangs on love. And so fellowship and unity are, are very much a, a kind of picture of love, you know, mutual uh, love of one another in operation. All right. Now, let's take a, a moment to, uh, to reflect uh, on this a bit more. So considering the theme that we just finished, you know, we just completed 2021, we talked about fellowship, life together, our life together in light of God's love. That was our theme for last year. Fellowship, life together in light of God's word. Considering the 2021 theme, I kind of want to do some reflection for a minute before we move into the new theme. So let's get some participation here. Um, what are some things with regard to the, to, to the theme of fellowship that you learned in the past year or and or plan to think you need to improve on and plan on improving on when it comes to fellowship, our relationship with one another? Before we leave this, let's do a little little review. Daniel. I, I think this theme was so timely because of where our world is, right? Um, you know, all, there's all sorts of like separation for mm -hmm. a zillion different reasons. I, I think the thing that I've took, taken away from the theme is that fellowship is just a word unless you're actually willing to be together. Like it just, you can say we have a fellowship, but if you don't show up and if you don't like do the hard things of like sharing parts of yourself that are ugly and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, need work and, uh, you know, or hanging out with people that you may not choose to do that, choose to I mean like, you know I know that some of you don't want to spend time with me on certain days but you do anyway you know and make, make those hard choices um, it, it's really just a it's just a it's just a church word unless you actually are doing it so um, I, you know so that that's kind of the reflection I've had and you know that's all been exacerbated by you know COVID and all the other sure. things you know that, that exist right now so I, I think kind of the um, the things for me that like goals wise is, you know, I think about the, the coming year is s some of the, the things that we have decided to do as a church family, you know, the, the breakfast, the Sandy's host on Thanksgiving, the, um, you know, the, the camp out we do for the kids and the young people um, in, in the spring or fall, whenever we decide to do it, you know, the, the, when we get together as small groups, when we do church potlucks, um, you know, on Wednesday nights when we get together, you know, before our Bible study time and have dinner together, like all of those things are as essential to what we are doing here, like together as, as any, you know, they're, they're an integral part. And so just choosing not to come is for, for me and not carving that time out of my schedule and for work is, is a problem, is a me problem. And so fellowship is a, 
it, it's all encompassing. Yes, it's here, like studying the Bible together, but it's also those other things very much. Yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah, Greg? I was thinking along the same lines as Daniel and how serendipitous this whole you know, topic was with, mm -hmm. the, with the COVID thing. And I think one of the things that, that I really kind of learned, maybe accidentally, was how much we miss fellowship when we haven't got it. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think back to the beginning of last year as we were all sitting around staring at each other on screens, you know, um, dressed from the waist up, you know, on our, on our couches, um, and talking about how much we missed each other. And then when we finally got back together again, you know, how happy everybody was, but how long did it last? You know, the, the happiness and, and everybody getting together and that we kind of fallen back into a rut again, perhaps? Are we not here as often as we could be, maybe were when, it, when, when the doors were finally opened again? Mm -hmm. So I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things I learned was that fellowship is something that we, we have taken for granted in the past mm -hmm. and, and shouldn't in the future. Man, hearty amen to that. Hearty amen. Um, yeah. Um, and it was very serendipitous because, you know, this is 21, 2021 theme, so when we were putting this together, that, that usually comes out of me, me reading and talking with the elders and stuff in the fall, like October, November, you know, December is when we're getting ready for the theme for the next year. So we had no idea COVID was coming. I think maybe in like mid-December, I heard of this place called Wuhan for the first time in my life or something like that, but it really wasn't a thing here. Was it like January? 2020, but the theme's 2021, so I was prepping the 2021 theme in late 2020. Okay, yeah, I, it wasn't on my radar too much yeah. in December, so I wasn't planning the fellowship theme. I'm going back to your serendipity point. It's almost like yeah. it, it was backlit by this, wow, fellowship really is precious, you know, when, you get t when it gets taken away. So we, we don't want to leave this just because we're moving on. In fact, I'm going to, in some of the preaching this coming year, Lord willing, we're going to talk about the connection between what our relationship is like and our ability to impact our community. We're, we're sent as a collective, not just individuals. Uh, and there's a lot of texts in the Bible that talk about um, when, when people out in the community, it's a, it's a strife-torn, fractured world, right? COVID's keeping people apart, but so are identity politics and all of it. It's almost like our news feeds now are designed to cause us to hate each other. I mean, they're, they're laughing all the way to the bank with their Nielsen ratings and politicians are capitalizing on it. We're to be something different. And if we have a fellowship, a love, a unity that transcends all that, it, it's, gonna, it's gonna shine like a candle in a cave. Like it's so black, look at that light. So fellowship's connected to being sent too. So let's not forget that and let's, let's regard it as precious as Greg and Daniel have both said. Let's, let's do show up, you know, to quote Daniel. All right. Um, thanks for those good comments. Uh, now, as we move on to 2022, we're going to fill in the blank one more way in terms of the objects of our love. God first loved us. He initiated. He's the main character of the Bible. You know, Genesis, everybody's messing everything up and God just stays with them out of his loving, his unfailing love. And the same with us. But he did first love us. He didn't wait on us to get our act together. He, he loved in advance of that. He's sort of loving us into holiness, if you will. 
And as a response, we love. And one of the things we love, in addition to loving one another and loving God back, is we love the world that he created. The world may be broken, it may be marred, it may be sick with sin, but guess what? It's still God's world. All those people he made that don't know him at all, they're still made in his image. They just don't know it yet. The, the creation that we can forget about and exploit and all that stuff, it's his world. It's still groaning, waiting on our redemption as his children. So we're going to love that world as best we can. We're going to talk about that a lot in this new year uh, because of the fact that God loved us. Okay? So we reflect God's love for us out into the larger world. We take it beyond ourselves. And frankly, we take it beyond the church. The point of the church isn't to just hole up in a bunker so the world doesn't get on us. Right? I think a lot of Christians think that way. A lot of Christian institutions and parachurches and colleges, they, they kind of think that way. They always hole up here, put some walls up, because it's bad out there. Well, it's bad in here too, honestly. You know, we've seen the enemy and the enemy's us. So, and, and was the church really chosen to just come out of the world? Is that it? Isn't that half the story? John 17, which I'm probably going to preach on over the next two or three weeks. He says, you're not of the world, but I can't take them, Father, as he's praying for the disciples. I can't take them out of the world. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. And we're not supposed to be out of the world. We're supposed to go into it. Um, so, Let's think about that. Um, that's going to be our 2022 theme. It's the last part of this mission. So we're kind of out of themes. This has been kind of planned roughly for four years, these four, you know. Just kidding. We'll have plenty of themes. Um, but outreach to our neighbors. So inspired by God's love for us in Christ, we seek to be defined by cross-shaped love in everything we do, in worship to God, in fellowship within the church family, and in outreach to our neighbors. The blessings of the gospel, that gift was never just for us to sort of sit on it, you know, put it under a bushel and all those things. We're to take it out. So I want to think about this since God is the initiator of love. We love the world because he first loved us. I want to think about a couple more questions. What are some reasons? This is kind of an awkwardly worded question. I reworded it 45 times trying to get the idea across, but Think about the first century world into which God sent his son, right? World of the Roman Empire and all that. What are some reasons God might have? He didn't. But what, what are some reasons he could have, in some ways justifiably, have found the first century world too different from him or too unrighteous for him to love? What are some ways God might have found that world unlovable? Ideas? Randy. I mean, where, where to begin? Exactly. Um, obviously, all humans of all times have are, are you know sick with sin, as you mentioned a minute ago. That one of the things that we do for uh, part of our homeschool is we're learning Latin, which is, is a ton of first century, you know, mm -hmm. Roman. It's all the Gauls and the slaughter and the bodies and the rivers. It's it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I hear people, and and, and I I love our country and I want our country to you know have a, a healthy trajectory but when you hear people talk about like oh it's just it's just so bad and it's so corrupt you're like have you read any history because I mean the first century is super messed up mm -hmm. I mean just levels of corruption and 
disgusting, sinful practices that are like sanctioned and encouraged, mm -hmm. violence on a state level that is just kind of like stomach turning. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the kids, we, have, we joke because there's this sentence that we translate in first year Latin that is, there, there are bodies and swords in the river. And you're like, really? That's <laughs> terrible, uh -huh. you know, in the river, mm -hmm. like where they have their towns and stuff built and, it's, and they're celebrating it, you know, mm -hmm. like dancing on the corpses of the conquered peoples. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just incredible um, moral and ethical just problems mm -hmm. deeply within the society. And you think about, and God went, he went there. And he didn't just go there. He started a, a revolution that, that eventually, you mm -hmm. know, is going to overcome all that mm -hmm. um and yeah i think boy he there's a lot of times in history when he could have dropped in um and they're all messed up but it was really really bad mm -hmm. um just al almost kind of makes you it, well it, it does make me think I, I'm, I'm thankful that we at least today have um we have that ex the, the example of what of what he you know came to do so that throughout levels of government and in, in culture and society, there's, there's usually at, at least somebody saying, hey, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. But it kind of feels like there was no one except mm -hmm. for him and his followers yeah. who were doing that. Um, and so, yeah, that would be a pretty, pretty unrighteous you know, time sure. to come. And he did it, and he loved those people, and he hung out with some of the worst of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. Anybody else on this, Greg? supposed to be fulfilling you know, we've talked about recently on Wednesday nights their mission as priests mm -hmm. really but but those who were actually the leaders of his people or Randy's talking about things being messed up they were messed up yeah. and, and when Jesus came he spent a lot of his time pointing out how messed up they were mm -hmm. and I mean they were exalting their own traditions above his laws mm -hmm. and basically they had elected themselves God right. and pushed God off to the side yeah. So even those that were supposed to be his and claimed to be his weren't doing anywhere as close to what God wanted them to be doing. Right. That's, that's, I'm glad both of you, father and daughter, brought it right then. Because the world was horrible, right? I mean, we, yeah, we hear people all the time say, man, I don't know how people raise kids nowadays. You know, I'm like, well, you only get to have kids when you're in childbearing years. So that's not super encouraging to a young person. What are they going to do, wait till they're 60? won't work, you know, so, you, well, yeah, too tired, <laughs> that, you're right, um, for sure, um, but also, it's really not factual anyway, I mean, you, there's all kinds of variations on this, one of them in American history that I hear all the time is, man, if it were just like in the founding days, when the country was, everybody was a Christian evangelical, it weren't, <laughs> the first tier founding fathers were mostly deists, which means they didn't believe in the, the resurrection, so, other than that, there were some, but it actually got a lot more evangelical like in the 1800s. And, and it's, it's, half of them were selling people away from their parents in the South because of slaveholding and slave trading. So even the religious people, yeah, the culture is bad. It always has been society. But the people who are supposed to be the good guys usually have badness too. And I'm glad that Randy and, and Greg brought that out because anytime we think, well, if we could just get rid of the way the society's going, if we could just change that, 
we start focusing less on ourselves. And we're a big part of the problem, just like the custodians of, religious, of religiosity in the first century, the Pharisees, were one of the biggest problems Jesus deals with. Doesn't mean the Romans don't have things wrong. I mean, they're, we haven't yet sunk to sacrificing human beings for sport in an arena. We get a lot of problems, no question. And you could, make, you could make analogies maybe with abortion or something like that. But, you know, to me, when you're like selling tickets and like show up at the circus so we can watch people get slaughtered for sport, that's another level. It's just so mainstreamed, right? And there's, we could go on and on. But yeah, that's the world that God sent his son into. God so loved the world. My goodness. How could he not, though? It's his world. It's like you not loving your children because they make bad decisions. Or you not loving your own property. You know, you put your heart, soul, mind, and strength in that, you know? Yeah, it's got problems. Your garden has fungus all in it. But you're, you're, it's your garden still. You're going to try to fix it. You're going to try to heal it because it's yours. And this world and all human beings are God's. So when we confront an unholy, unlovable world, how should we respond? We don't have to answer that right now because that's kind of what the year is going to be about. Are we going to imitate God or not? That's the question. We love like him, right? He's the yardstick. He's the ruler. He's the mold that we're trying to pour ourselves into and be shaped by. He confronted an unholy, unlovable world. It's so different from us. How different are you from God? The Bible uses the word enemy to describe each of us in our raw state, in our relationship with God. Enemies. That's, a, that's as far as you can get the other way. I mean, the, the delta between any one of us and God or our church and God in terms of morality and ethical holiness and purity, and not to mention power and strength and capacity, it's greater than any difference between you and whoever you're worried about your kids hanging out with out in the society today. They're way closer in nature than we are to God, in a sense. And yet he still sees us as his image bearers, if we'll just see that and let him work through us. So that's what we're going to be talking about, confronting this unholy, unlovable world actually with love. My homeboys, Switchfoot, back in the day when, like when they were still a kind of punk band in the 90s, before they were popular, they had this one song called, um, I don't remember the name of it, but the, the main lyric was, love is the movement, love is the revolution. We need a revolution, but Rome wasn't it. There, how many of those have there been? It's, it's broken record. Oh, we'll change the world. No, you won't. You'll back right up where you were. But love, when we really practice it, divine love, when we implement it, when we become that, it is revolutionary. That's the movement. That's what we need. And so we're going to tack this verse on to John 4, 19 for the year. As you have sent me into the world, Jesus said, this is with his disciples in John 17 in that famous pr prayer of the night before he's crucified. He says to the Father in heaven, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We're going we're gonna to try to see what I think is, at least I think in my way of reading the Bible at this point in my life, my study, present study, is that if we're not sent people, we're not God's people. Uh, that's what the Bible story is. It's God coming into the world. The whole Bible is incarnation. It's not a day. It, it, the whole thing is, that's what the gospel is. God with us. 
He didn't just go, no, you're too sick, you're too messed up, you're too dangerous, you're too different, you're too revolting, you're too liberal, you're too conservative. None of that. You're mine, and I'm coming to get you. I'm coming in. Yeah, great risk to me, but I'm coming in because I love you. Jesus says we have to be sent in the way that he was sent. As you have sent me into the world, he says to God the Father, so I have sent them into the world. So that's our theme for the year. Sent, loving the world like God loved us. And I think after this, we will squeeze just about, after this year, we will have squeezed just about all the juice you can get out of 1 John 4.19. I think. All right, y'all.